Charles McIntyre of this city. Charge brought by Miss Helen McIntyre, continued the clerk, against, and his pointed finger indicated the seedy-looking man slouched before them. Smith, said the latter, and his husky voice was barely audible. Smith, repeated the clerk. First name? John, was the answer, given after a slight pause. John Smith, you are charged by Miss Helen McIntyre with housebreaking. What say you, guilty or not guilty? The man shifted his weight from one foot to the other and shot an uneasy look about him. Not guilty, he responded. At that instant, Helen caught sight of Benjamin Clymer and his companion, Philip Rochester, and her pale cheeks flushed faintly at the lawyer's approach. He had time for but a hasty handshake before the clerk administered the oath to the prisoner and the witnesses in the case. Rochester walked back and resumed his seat by Clymer, propping himself in the corner made by the bench and the cage, inside of which sat the prisoners, he opened his right hand and unfolded a small paper. He read the brief penciled message it contained not once, but a dozen times. Folding the paper into minute dimensions, he tucked it carefully inside his vest pocket and glanced sideways at Clymer. The banker hardly noticed his uneasy movements as he sat regarding Helen McIntyre, standing in the witness box. Although paler than usual, the girl's manner was quiet, but Clymer, a close student of human nature, decided she was keeping her composure by willpower alone, and his interest grew. The judge, from the bench, was also regarding the handsome witness and the burglar with close attention. Colonel Charles McIntyre, a wealthy manufacturer, had upon his retirement from active business made the national capital his home, and his name had become a household word for philanthropy, while his twin daughters were both popular in Washington's gay younger set. Several reporters of local papers, attracted by the mention of the McIntyre name, as well as by the twins' appearance, watched the scene with keen expectancy, eager for early morning copy. As the assistant district attorney rose to question Helen McIntyre, the judge addressed him. Is the prisoner represented by counsel? he asked. For reply, the burglar shook his head. Rising slowly to his feet, Philip Rochester advanced to the man's side. If it please the court, he began. I will take the case for the prisoner. His offer received a quick acceptance from the bench, but the scowl with which the burglar favored him was not pleasant. Hitching at his frayed flannel collar, the man partly turned his back on the lawyer and listened with a heavy frown to Helen's quick answers to the questions put to her. While waiting for my sister to return from a dance early this morning, she stated, I went downstairs into the library, and as I entered it I saw a man slip across the room and into a coat closet. I retained enough presence of mind to steal across to the closet and turn the key in the door. Then I ran to the window and fortunately saw Officer Orion standing under the arc light across the street. I called him, and he arrested the prisoner. Her simple statement evoked a nod of approval from the assistant district attorney, and Rochester frowned as he waved his right to cross-examine her. The next witness was Officer Orion, and his testimony confirmed Helen's. The prisoner was standing among the coats in the closet, he said. My automatic against his ribs brought him out. Did you search your prisoner? asked Rochester as he took the witness. Yes, sir. Find any concealed weapons? No, sir. A burglar's kit? No, sir. Did the prisoner make a statement after his arrest? No, sir. He came along peaceably enough. Hardly a word out of him, acknowledged Orion regretfully. He enjoyed a reputation on the force as a scrapper, and a willing prisoner was a disappointment to his naturally pugnacious disposition. Did you search the house? Sure, and haven't I been telling you I did? 
answered Orion, his pride in his achievement in arresting a burglar in so fashionable a neighborhood as Sheridan Circle was giving place to resentment at Rochester's manner of addressing him. At a sign from the lawyer, he left the witness stand, and Rochester addressed the judge. I ask the indulgence of the court for more time, he commenced, that I may consult my client and find if he desires to call witnesses. The court finds, responds the judge, that a clear case of housebreaking has been proven against the prisoner by reputable witnesses. He will have to stand trial. For the first time, the prisoner raised his eyes from contemplation of the floor. I demand trial by jury, he announced. It is your right, acknowledged the judge, and turned to consult his calendar. Stepping forward, the deputy marshal laid his hand on the burglar's shoulder. Go inside, he directed, and held open the cage door, which immediately swung back into place, and Rochester, following closely at the prisoner's heels, halted abruptly.